the idea of what a car can do for you. A, a car means freedom, it means independence. Right. Driving for a living, although it's great and I love it, it's uh, it takes a lot out of you. You know, the hours can be long. You've got to be 100%, 110% concentrating on the road all the time because, you know, people run out in front of you. Cyclists, God love them, you know, they'll go up the inside of your van and, and you've got to be, like, proper on it. You know, you've got deadlines to meet and you want to try and not kill anybody on the way to meet these deadlines. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Lizanne. Hello, Lizanne. Hello. Hello, Dave. So the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Through Spark London, the mm. Spark London events. That's right. So you come to the Hackney... Hackney Attic. Hackney, Hackney Attic, where I run the Spark London open mic on the second Monday of every month. And that was the first time I'd hosted a true storytelling night, like when it started in Hackney. Like I was brought in as the new host and I'd never done it before. I think you were probably there on the first day of me doing it there, which was a few really? years ago now. Yeah, I think you was, came to yeah. the first one. I think it was two, two years ago. Was yeah. it two years ago? Yeah, Blimey. something like that now. Yeah. And it's been been a strange thing for me because I've been having to find a true story every every month from my life. Yeah. So I'm sort of like running low on like life <laughs> experiences. You need to live a bit more. Right. But, you, but you also tell a story yeah. every, every time you come. You don't yeah. necessarily always make every one, but you pr- make yeah. most of them. Most You're pretty of them. much a regular. And you're like, sometimes I use you as an example of one of the things I like about Spark because, and I don't know if this is patronising or whatever, but I like the fact that like once a month, a whole room full of people people has to like listen to a, a, a female van driver talking about their life we don't see female van drivers on telly you're not a stereotype that no. we're familiar with because you're no. a very unique individual and I just love the fact that every 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 month they have to listen and it's, you know your stories are great I'm not saying they're not good but I just like the fact that everyone has to just sh- shut up and listen to you for <laughs> yeah. you know, five minutes every every month what's been amazing to me about hearing your stories as well is that they're so consistent Consistent, like mm. really, it seems to me that motor cars, right? Yeah, it's like this big passion within yeah. your life, and it's like not just covered your professional life, but it's your personal life. It's because mm-hmm. it's kind of everything. Mm-hmm. One time, I thought you weren't going to talk about cars, and um, I did. And you did because, <laughs> well, because you you got up to tell it was like a, a Christmas story, yeah, and you know it was about your childhood and you, you yeah. know a Christmas story, and so I was like, all oh, right, this is going to be something not not car related, but then it was again about cars, yeah. So I mean, because the question that I would ask people, I always ask about the thing that they're passionate about is, you know, when did it come into your life? And I guess yeah. that story is probably when cars came into your life. I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, they've always been there. Right. They've always been there. I remember as a little kid I used to know the make and model of every car on the road I just loved them always always loved cars were your parents into cars um I don't know really maybe my father more but no it was just something that I don't know why cars captured my imagination yeah. because because they've always been such a big part of my life it's like they've always been like a part of me in a yeah. sense a big part of my life I can't pinpoint I know this it's probably not helpful to your listeners, no, but fine. I can't pinpoint when they come in because they would. They, it's like something that was always there. I mean, I had faces as I was growing up. You know, I had the 
phase where I was sort of making on frogs, any sort of frog soft toy, this, that and the other. I had my dinosaur phase, I had my space phase. But cars were always there. Cars yeah, yeah. were always there. They weren't a phase. They didn't. They they didn't sort of go away. Go in the background ever. Right. So I mean, so the story that I'm thinking of is like you wanting. Can't remember what kind of a thing it was, but it was definitely like a. Was it like a car park or something that you mm. wanted for Christmas? Yeah, kids would look at that now. Kids wouldn't entertain it. To, but you know, back in the seventies, you know, you were well, you, you had an apple and an orange, wouldn't it? <laughs> that was a good Christmas. Right. Oh no, that was a generation before. But you know what I mean? You, so they, 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 they wasn't all the things that what we've got today. You know, right. they, were, they were all the gadgets and the iPhones so kids today would be like that's rubbish because exactly uh, it's nothing like what they have now yeah, yeah. But, but what was it that you wanted thing, yeah it? what was it the toy it was a, a garage but it was it, it, it was I think five pieces of wood sort of flat square pieces of wood with ramps that's all it was and up and down on the ramps that was it, you know, there was no sort of casing to it. It was just these five pieces of wood with the ramps separating them as though, you, you know, you're in a multi-storey car park. Right. But without the safety barriers. So health and safety would be all over it as well, wouldn't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, no. And did you get that present? I did. I was over the moon. I'll see it. I'll see it sitting in my grand's bedroom and I thought, oh, that's going to be mine. The thing is, there were no other kids of an age to want to be able to play with that. So who else was it going to be? But I was still over the moon when I got it. Yeah. In the 70s, probably even more than now. Um, but I think it's similar now. Girls aren't necessarily given toys, no. like toy cars, to play with. I mean... No, I wasn't initially. I mean, I remember uh, being given dolls when I was very small. And what I used to do with those is rip the arms and legs off and draw them in green crayon. <laughs> so I told my mate Ryan about that. Because we were having this conversation. He's going, no, so you weren't just a tomboy, you were a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> he said, "He said, oh, my Barbie, my Barbie had a, had a jag. <laughs> so he had, you know, the best of both worlds, his Barbie had a jag. Yeah, yeah. But like, so you, but so you sort of like had to get your parents to understand that you wanted the the, the, the garage in the end, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess I did. I think they'd probably have been aware. It might be sort of outside. There's sort of people like, oh, you've got a little girl, give her a doll because that's what little girls play with. Right. So it was more from people outside the core family, I suppose. So they always were like cool with. Like, oh, oh, cars banging on about cars again. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, so I think I was quite able to make myself understood on that score. The second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? I'm, I'm currently not driving for a living, which is quite weird for wow. me. I am working uh, in the stores of a telecommunications company and um, basically assuming the engineers with all the kit they need to do the jobs. Okay. And uh, that's, you know, it's it's, it's good. It's uh, it's decent wedge and it's just down the road from me and the hours are good, which which is great for me for pursuing my outside interests right. because I get home, you know, get home sort of early enough, I have enough energy to do my writing and do my stand-up comedy in the evenings, right. which 
driving for a living driving for a living although it's great and i love it it's uh it takes a lot out of you you know the hours can be long you've got to be 100% 110% concentrating on the road all the time because you know people run out in front of you cyclists god love them you know they'll go up the inside of your van and and you've got to be like proper on it you know you've got deadlines to meet and you want to try and not kill anybody on the way to meet these deadlines do you know right. what i mean and it is you've got to be fully fully switched on right for that and then you get home overnight and think right I'm going to write this now I'm going to go at this open mind I think I sod it that's it sit down veg in front of the TV and then fall asleep I am studying to do HGV I need to take the theory test before I'm studying the HGV theory book with a view to like doing that my housing association I'm very pleased to say have, uh, have, have, have granted me the money to go and do the HGV because it's, it's not cheap um, no. I've got to do class two first. I can't just you used to be able to go straight and do the class one, which is articulated. But I've got to go class two first. To me, what I'm doing there is great, but it's it's not forever. I was driving for a catering firm, which was which I loved working for, and uh, they got taken over by a rifle firm. And they weren't so good to work for. And I badly, badly wanted out of there, you know, the conditions I was working under. I really weren't happy with. Right. I got in touch with former controller of mine from the agency I used to work for, driver's agency I used to work for. He now works for another agency. He called me up one day out of the blue. He said, I was bored in the pub. So I thought, I'd phone up and offer you a job. Right, right. He said, oh, it's not driving. All right, okay. So he told me about it. And he told me what the hourly rate was. And so he'd be inputting things with computers because when I issued the engineers with the kit, I've then got to input the data onto the computer. And I said, you know, I've got no computer skills whatsoever, don't you? He said, you don't need them. You just do it. They'll show you how to do it all and 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 get. So this is the first job I've had in my entire life where I've actually used a computer because I've been a factory worker. I've been a driver. I've never had to business with computers before. Right. So um, you know, I'm adding to my skill set as well. That that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, no, can definitely. It? Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And I mean, the way that the world is going, the way whatever industry is going, computers yeah. are involved in it. Whatever. Absolutely. So I've got to get get on board. Or... <clears throat> yeah. Right. I mean, I, it's, yeah. yeah but that is, a, yeah, a, a tough reality of it. If you're going to absolutely work. Yeah. When you were like young, you liked cars. You hadn't experienced driving one at that point. No. You're just liking the concept of them. Yeah. You're just pushing them around and like imagining yeah. this thing. I mean, I like the designs. Yeah. of them not all of them fit multiplayer you know who you are absolutely ugly car can't stand it <laughs> I like the design I like the look of them but I think the idea of what a car can do for you a, a car means freedom it means independence right and I had this I think I had this picture of myself uh, when I was six years old I had this picture of myself you know as a successful career woman driving around in my little car <laughs> do you know what I mean right. that's what I would I suppose the whole sort of concept of career women was quite a new thing in those days anyway and I decided right. that was you know I weren't going to go get married settle down have kids I wanted to be career woman and I want to go oh, right, I've been a dead-end job woman for most of my life but it, you know it, it's like I've got the freedom I can just get in my car I can go here I can go right. there and, and and do whatever I want right. whenever I want and don't have to answer to anybody cars help with with that you're not tied to a time you know the trains stop at a certain time they only go to certain places buses this all right buses run all night but you know if you've ever been on a night bus it's not the nicest of experiences no, a, I mean a car is quite a safe yeah exactly uh, environment yeah. To, to have freedom with yeah, yeah. With that. freedom comes responsibility. You right. know, you go out. You're not drinking, and it's oh, why don't 
get cab and it's like well okay right i'll get cab but if i get cab then i can't afford to drink so right. i might as well take the car and not drink and have done with it right. <laughs> you know? and so you, so you Very often designate your driver but it don't bother me because i love driving so i don't care well that's it you really seem to love drive like driving seems oh. to give you something uh, yeah. really valuable i guess to your yeah. like, like it gives you yeah the sort of stuff that people might get from drinking like why 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 drink if you can if you can enjoy driving like so you wanted to kind of go against I guess the model that was it sounds like that was planned out would you define yourself as working class I guess and and how does that like affect this idea of getting free or being separate from things I've not really thought of it in that concept I mean I'm anti-social I'll be honest with you Dave some members of my family I get on brilliantly with others I don't others others I'm estranged from to be truthful and I wanted out I wanted out I didn't fit in that family right I didn't that that was more a thing for me than thinking I want to better my situation yeah I wanted to better my situation by getting out of the situation that I was in you know I was I, I put my name down on the council list as soon as I turned 18. Right. You know, I, t- I think I was 18 on the Saturday, Monday morning, boom, down the council office, put my name on the list. Right. So, I think that tells you all you need to know, yeah, really, on that Yeah, that properly does tell me some stuff <laughs> yeah. that I need to know, yeah. and, that, and that makes sense. I mean, I guess the, the reason I thought, I, I guess I was bringing class, class into yeah. it, is this idea of, like, you're going for this career woman uh, yeah. model idea. It's and the then, freedom more than anything to do with anything class-based, but, I, mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing that, I guess it seems to me that that's a, that idea being mm. with you at six means that that's definitely something that was being sold to everyone as a possibility, right? You felt like that's mm. something you could do. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. which, but it doesn't sound like that was in in the, the reality of how it went for you when you tried to get into mm. the the world of work. I guess like, yeah. and that's a I, I don't know. I don't know how you become a career person because it's like, what does that mean? It doesn't yeah. actually mean anything. It's not yeah. linked to a a job really when you imagine yeah. it. Oh, it? I had no idea what job I wanted right, to do. Exactly. I just wanted freedom and independence. Those were two things that were very big for me. Well, yeah. You know, I didn't want to have to rely on anyone. I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. Right. Or what your boss says. So, so, in certain situations, you have to put up with people telling you what to do. It's part of life. But as for my life, myself, my personal life, while I'm at work and you're paying me to do a job, you could tell me to walk around around that car park all day. I don't care. But once I'm outside of work and, I, and and real life kicks in, I want to be able to dictate what I do, where I go, when I do it. I don't want anybody putting that onto me. Right. I don't want that responsibility. Right. No, I mean that's that. I, I, I that's something I kind of feel myself in my mm. life. Like I don't know if I've managed to do it as well as you have. Like in some ways, you've managed to. <laughs> like you've done it, and you know you've. Yeah. had things on your terms it seems yeah. in some ways yeah like in terms of the way you structure things like how you want to be but then mm. obviously it's employers right that, that also make things more complicated like having bosses like you say that's yeah. not on your terms no. and none of those but jobs you've got to pay have, the rent right right and those so. and those jobs seem to have had stuff that you love in them because you're driving sure but they're not sure. they're not very well paid right so then oh no no i mean van driving is can i Say shit. Yeah, you can swear as <laughs> much as you like. Shit money. <laughs> right. It really is. Now, you're saying about you don't see many women van drivers. They are out there. Yeah, I but bet. the industry that I was in most recently driving a van, Mark Guffner said that only two women had ever applied for a job with that firm, the right. firm that I was working for. That I was the only one that had the necessary relevant experience. That say right, we'll take this one because the job I was doing there was a lot of heavy lifting involved 
Right. Right. It, it was very physical job. And he said, I don't think there's any... Of, of all the corporate catering firms in London, you see the vans whizzing about, he said, I don't think there's any other women doing it. And to be truthful with you, when I was driving around London dropping corporate lunches and breakfasts and this, that and the other off, now let's see them, see all the various Sands and Barclay and whatever, and it's like, no, blokes, 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 all blokes. Never never seen, never seen another, I, I could have it wrong, I've, but I never saw one, you know, right. doing that job for like two years, never saw one, another right. one. Yeah, not doing that, I've seen other women van drivers, but not in a corporate catering. And if, how, I mean, because I, I, used, I used to work in like, uh, childcare, and yeah. so I was like the only bloke in a room, and everywhere you looked, it <laughs> so was you girls, went the right? opposite. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and so that's 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 yeah. that has some interest. Like, so in some ways, that was really good. I mean, I yeah. I certainly benefited from that because okay. everybody treats a guy like it's you get treated very differently if you're a, a bloke in childcare. It, mm. To a certain extent, you don't even have to do anything. Just being a really? bloke in childcare yeah, yeah, yeah. means that that's like, wow, we've got a guy. We don't normally have a guy. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and, and so there's a lot of, unfortunately, like you're you're treated differently and yeah. like people go easy on you if you're a guy in childcare, okay. which I don't think is, I don't think it's cool. I'm not, I don't, no. I'm not supporting no. that, but it's a reality no. of it. Yeah. And then, but then on in other ways, there are like ways that, yeah. like, because you're a guy, you're not treated like with the same, like in, in the same way within that. But I'm, I imagine it's very different being a woman, like being being a woman in in the in the driving industry. Like, has it been? Yeah. Have you enjoyed? Like, have you enjoyed it? Has it been? Yes, like, well, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to say, I'd probably find it odd to go into an all female environment now. Because right. I'll be so used to male-dominated environments. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've, I say it's not all been plain sailing. I think it's easier for an older woman. Right. I think it's definitely easier for an older woman because there's not, you know, I, I mean, where I was, as I say, where I was working before, that, that, again, that could be a generational thing and, you know, it, it depends on the people as well. Right. But, as I say, the last job I was in, I was the oldest by country mile, as well as being the oldest woman. It, it, on my team, I was the oldest, as I say, you know, and the young blokes. And I'll see her like outside, they'd be looking at the, you know, everyone's on this smoke break outside and they're watching the girls walk up and they go, oh, oh, oh. they're not going to look at me like that anyway, because I'm old enough to be their mum. Right, Do you know what I mean? Right. But then, yet, yeah, I'm still sort of lifting and shifting. Right. Near enough the same as them. And if I can't, if I, you know, obviously I'm not going to be the same strength as a bloke who's in his 20s. That's just, well, maybe some who's very right. weak. But Yeah, probably you're, so, you're probably stronger than me. But mind you, I'm not in my 20s anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, if I couldn't sort of lift things at the same sort of rate, as I'd, I'd sort of use my brain and find ways around it. Right. Like what I'd do is, um, you know, where they'd be stacking like, like doing it quickly, get this stuff in to get to get it out. So like stacks and stacks of trays. I'd stack one stack at a time, but I'd be like making a note, because we had to make a note of all the plates. So instead of getting to the customers and you've got the customer all up in your face chatting to you while you're trying to note down the plates, I'd note the plates as I'm loading my van. So I'd note to like maybe one at a time, but I've noted all the plates down, so I'm good to go. As soon as I get in my van, boom, off. So there's there's ways and means. There's ways and means around it that you get the job done. I was I was unemployed for uh, about four months before I got that job. And uh, before then, I'd been off on a sick. So I hadn't... I'd done about nine days' work in the previous... 
nine months, let's say. I, I did a trial shift with this firm and I was pleased to find uh, that I'd still edit, that I could still sort of lift and shift pretty much as good as the guys. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that, that was a big boost to my ego. Like when I was walking, walking back, and I walked all the way home from like Wenlock Road to Victoria Park and I had still toe caps on, but I feel like I'm walking on an air still because I was like, yeah, I can do it. I can still do this because it is it's a horrible thing. I've never been unemployed before. I've never been off sick for such a long time before either. And to have one on top of the other thing, yeah. that's a real knock. You know, you think, right, I'm getting older, things are going to happen, this is that, this is this and this is that. But to sort of bounce back from that and it's like, yeah, it's... <sighs> I can't really describe the feeling any better than that, but you know, it's a two mile walk home and still toe cats feel like you're walking on air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a shitty driving job or whatever, but you know, to me, it's a big, big part of my identity, who I am. Yeah. You know? Right, and so you've and you've always worked, right? I guess. Always worked. Yeah. Always worked. I've never been unemployed till two years ago. Right. Never been, you know, my naive would say that I've gone in thinking I'm going to be working soon. I'm only going in here to get my stamp paid. And uh, they went filling this silly little book, what I did to look for, to look for work. And I think, flipping hell, I'm in my 40s and it's like I'm back at school again. Right. But right, I'm going to fill in one of these silly little books every time I come in. Go, give us another one, give us another one. Going, oh, you're doing too much. And I'm like, how can I be doing too much if I'm still unemployed? Right. <laughs> so, you know, the woman that I spoke to for my initial interview, she's... She spoke to me as though I was something nasty she'd just trodden in. And it's like, excuse me, love, I've worked all my life. Right. I've worked, I'd probably do her job better than her. I was picking up, she was sort of tapping in the phone into the computer. I was pointing out spelling mistakes. And thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. yeah, so. And like, when you decided to go into the world of work, I mm-hmm. mean, did you go, did you go for driving jobs straight away? No, um, I mean, I couldn't drive at that point anyway but I just needed to I just wanted to you know two plans basically when I left school I left school as soon as I could I had two plans one to get a job and two to get out you know get out of my uh, get out of my family home and uh, yeah I achieved both within a fairly short time right and like, and when you were just go for anything funny enough the first job I had was an office job right now, this was the days before computers and all of that, so none of that. It was like all typey, right? Like, I was able to type things like that because, you know, believe it or not, I actually left school with a few O levels. Do you know what I mean? So I would, you know, they kind of put. I believe it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You're probably looking. I thought you were, you were looking at this. Like, What's an O level? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was just. Yeah, I was re, re, yeah. recomputing what O level yeah. means. But yeah. I mean, I, I totally. You yeah. know, you're 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 an intelligent person. You've already just t- yeah. talked Lots about intelligent it. people have no qualifications. No, absolutely, I know. Yeah, no. I mean, I know, and 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 you've demonstrated your intelligence yeah. talking about how you've how you structured the uh, deliveries and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. there's there's um, I mean, I know people who I mean yeah. the people who I know from school. Like uh, one of my mates from school, he. he He's a builder, right? And he didn't go to university and all that stuff. And he makes more money than any any of us, right? Yeah, I mean, very often do. I, I yeah. mean, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Right. Building Self-made, are, isn't right. It? And yeah. then I've got no. Maybe maybe sort of like men, mentioning the term working class makes it sound like I think there's yeah. th- there's a difference. I don't think there's a difference no, at all no. between people. I just think different people have got different privileges, right? Different available. Like so, you, yeah. You, you're in well, they get, and they get situation. pushed down different routes as right. well, don't right, they? Right, right, right. So, so yeah. So I mean, in those days, it's all like yeah. If you've managed to write your name down on a piece of paper, you go in an office and right. 
that's how it was right. in the eighties. Do you know what I mean? So you go in office, or you go to bank, or something. So I just like applying off, working in an office, not for me. <laughs> absolutely not for me. I was like a bleeding fish out of water. Right. And um, they quickly worked out, like the governors said, mm, no. I mean, I, I put it down to, at the time in my naivety, I put it down to, you know, I'm not prepared to kiss ass. You know, when the director of the company comes down, he's in the office and I'll go, and it's my turn to do the tea run. I'm going around collecting everybody's money for tea. I was the director, you want a cup of tea? Oh, yes, please, Ten pence, please. And I've got the girls. Ah, yeah, ask the director of this company to pay for his own tea. He's going, what? I'm going to dip in my pocket and pay for it? He earns way more money than I do. Have a word with yourself. Exactly right. So, you know, maybe, because that that sort of culture, I can't get with that. Do you know what I mean? You You earn more money than I do. You tell it how you see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you earn more money than I do, and then yet you're not prepared to pay for your own tea. I've got to pay for it. Right. No, that ain't happening. Do you know what I mean? I don't kiss. I was I really covered myself with glory when I got put on the switchboard. Right. I had my system. You know, the switchboard would get busy, and people would be in a queue. Right. Don't care where you. You know, you phoned up at this time. You're at this place in the queue. Simple as that. And one of the managers from the factory come down. He said, "Oh, can you get this number for me?" And it was really busy day. And I said, oh, is it all right if I give you a free line and you call the number yourself? And he was sweet with that. He was fine, you know. He knew the coup and he'd a bit quicker doing it. You know, he was a bloke with a bit, a bit of sense. Right. But my governor was standing on my shoulder, heard me say that. So you do not ask a manager of this company to get his own calls. I said, what, you want him waiting for half hour? Well, I deal with the rest of this lot. I'd, I'd, as I say, I just couldn't get, yeah, I just... Couldn't get on with that. Right. So I got let go from there and I had to get another job. Um, so I just went for the first thing that would take me on and uh, I ended up working in a baking factory. So I was packing bacon and packaging bacon and cooked meats. Right. Um, and I've just done factory work ever since then. So I thought, I ain't going back in an office again. I thought, that shit, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> and the thing is, right, the people, you know, people sort of look at, I don't know if they do so much now, they certainly did then. I mean, there's not sort of factory work to look down on anymore, but it's like, oh no. You start, if, you're, if you work with your hands, you're a lesser class of person. But hang mm. on a minute, the people that work in the factories, they're in the same pe- same money as the people that work in the offices. No, I mean, I know. In you know, fact, more, it can in a lot be, of cases. It depends on the, yeah, it, yeah. exactly. It depends yeah, on exactly. the factory, it depends on the office. But, yeah. but, but I mean, I mean, my... That's what it's all about. It's right. all about the wedge. That's what you go to work for. You don't go to work, I'm wearing a suit and tie and I look the bollocks. No, right. you, you go to work to pay your rent, to pay your bills or whatever and else. I, I mean, Have I a s- life if you can. Right, I mean, I certainly don't look, look down on factory work because my stepdad mm. wor- worked in a factory for some of the years of my childhood. Like, he worked in Del Monte factories and stuff, so we always had, yeah. like, uh, the... the um, like p- packets are like orange juice, but without the labels yeah. on, like this is from yeah, the factory. Yeah, yeah. And I always used to sort of think this was like amazing. Like we've got this like secret orange that's like not branded. It's like amazing. <laughs> but now I realised like it was less amazing because it was obviously the stuff that they'd rejected or whatever from the factory. Oh, so. nice. Well, well, not, they rejected I mean, yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think it was because it was bad orange Did juice. Throw the dog but, there. <laughs> right, maybe. And it, but I mean, it, I you know I always liked that. That's the thing. It is about mm. the wedge at the end of the day, though. Absolutely. And so eventually. Like he went, he went back to, to 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 uni to like learn yeah. like 
how to be a teacher or whatever because of the wedge as much as anything else I mean I don't know I mean he'd have to speak on his own decisions and why he decided but I mean people who move between classes or move between jobs like you know Mm. they're not doing it because they're necessarily turning their back on their roots like you know what I mean there's there's this sense of like as you say industry's going as well so it's like it's pretty much gone right in this country everybody has to work out what the hell to do now yeah exactly and you know nobody quite knows I mean and you've so you've done factory work for a lot of years before you did driving yes right yeah Um, I went all through the 90s I worked in the Ford motor company in Dagenham Right. It was on the assembly line there. So I practically built a whole carbine there. Don't make, don't ask me to fix them when they go wrong. <laughs> I ain't got the patience for that. But uh, but yeah, uh, that was good money. Right. That was good money for its time. Very good money. Yeah. yeah. Regular income, right? Regular and income. Like... Shift work. Two weeks a day, two weeks a night. And the nights never got any easier. People say, oh, the night shift gets easier. I've, no, it don't. It don't. I used to go to sleep on my last break. Five o'clock in the morning, I'd go get myself a cup of coffee out of the machine, stick it on the table, put my head down. Line starts running again. Group leader comes running, go bang, bang, bang on the table. Wake me up. I slug the coffee down, quick hit of caffeine, and good to go. That finished the rest of my shift, and then I'd sit in traffic on the way home back into London. <laughs> so I never liked night shifts. So right. Didn't the drive home was the worst thing. Sometimes I just used to go upstairs and, and sleep in, in the um, changing room right. for a couple of hours before. Getting sitting in the traffic going, so I was just sitting in the traffic going anyway for a couple of hours. You know, the journey that took me 17 minutes door to door the night before is now taking me two hours plus, right? Why bother? Just I'll go like that, lying down on a blinking old bench is better, do you know what I mean? And yeah. then I can just get in the car and it's half out go home. Well, I guess that's terrible. the thing, like when you're working, like either when you when your work depends on the roads in some way oh, like yeah. you're going to yeah. be stuck in traffic some sometimes yeah. journeys are going to be quick and some of the, sometimes they're going to be slow yeah I mean, it, it's not it's a big fan of sitting in traffic or being right <laughs> right exactly no you what you yeah. like about it's driving is the driving right yeah. it's not the stopping no not stopping <laughs> <laughs> and you like in terms of driving as well one of the things that you sort of mentioned recently at a spark thing is that you sort of tried out for formula one. Oh yeah yeah anything that involves driving i drive a, tra- a tank if you offer me a chance to drive a tank or anything i don't care what it is but it involves driving then that's all good i mean i'm not um i don't sort of watch formula one avid fan of formula one i'd rather be i'm of one for, for doing if, right. if i can do something like snooker i'd rather have a game of pool myself than right snooker i'm like that you know uh, football I watch football I'm sort of a bit of a lapsed West Ham fan a bit armchair but uh, yeah up the hammers um, <laughs> but you know all that running around I can't do that what can't be asked to do that myself so you know happy to watch others doing it but right. if it's something I can do or something I, like, I really love doing like just say like driving and all watching Lewis Hamilton uh, you know rather than watch them do that I'd rather you know get in my own car and drive around the M25 right. it's funny I've, my fella watches it my fella loves Formula 1 he don't drive he drives a train for a living but he don't have a, a, a driver's licence so he did, and he don't like cars he's quite happy f- to be driven around in mine but he don't like cars because there's too many cars on the road right. which uh, you know it's I can't hard, argue with him in one to, way but yeah, you know that's that because there's a lot of people right. and people have got to get around some way I mean if everybody that owned a car dumped their car tomorrow they'd all be getting on his train and he wouldn't like that very much I don't think right that's Jesus. true I guess. yeah 
Like they'd have to do something. You got through, like you got through to the second round, didn't you? I did, yeah. Which I was amazed at because the first round was the fitness one. I thought that's me out straight right there. And sort of every break, I was dipping out for a cigarette. It's like, <laughs> it's like fitness, yeah, right. So did you get to drive a Formula One car? I didn't. didn't. I have driven a Formula First though, right around Brands Hatch. I have done that at my own expense. Well, I kind of had a voucher at my own discounted expense. So that was that was great fun. I got a certificate on my wall to say I did that nice. in July nineteen ninety two. And, and when did like so when did doing comedy come into come oh, into this stuff? Like? God. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a strange one really because I when I was younger wasn't a great fan of stand up comedy. I liked visual stuff. Very visual stuff. I liked the goodie. Loved the goodies and Monty Python. They were big things for me. A lot of their stuff's very surreal, very visual. Yeah. Dave Allen I liked, I have to say. May your God go with you. I liked him and I liked Jasper Carrot. Right. Just like Jasper Carrot. But really for me as a kid, watching people stand up and talk, I know they might as well be going blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, that switch off now like two Ronnie's so I used to love watching the two Ronnie's as soon as Ronnie Corbett sits in that chair and starts chatting I'm like <laughs> no right do something now can't Ronnie Barker come on wearing a dress or something I, I, I don't care I want something I can look at because this is not making any sense to me now when I was younger I could not have contemplated it I couldn't have done it I was very yeah, I was a very socially awkward young person and uh, the thought of getting up on stage and I, I did various bits of sort of amateur acting and stuff like that you know I was in school plays and various drama groups in, in my sort of 20s and things but um, I don't know I think I was looking for something else and I think comedy was it because I think that a lot of the you know a lot of the roles for women are very limited anyway you know you get pushed down a certain route yeah and I just said about actors that, you know, they're very shy people, very retired people. They, they're hiding behind a role. Right. Whereas as I got older and I become more confident, I, I don't want to hide. Do you know what I mean? I want to be myself. Hello, world, well, you ready for me? Right. And if you're not, tough shit. People said to me over the years, you know, I go in like various firms. We said about governors and um, being told what to do. I loved working agency. I worked agency for about seven years, 2000 to 2007. I loved it. One of the main reasons, because you go into a firm as an agency worker, they treat you a lot different than if you go in there, like, they own you. Do you know what I mean? It's like you've come in from outside, you're doing them a favour, you're helping them out right. the hole, and they like that. And you report back out. Yeah, again and then, yeah, well. exactly. So, uh, so, yeah, so I go to, and, and, I, I grew in confidence a lot from doing that. Once I left Fords, I got made redundant from Fords and I went to work for this driver's agency, doing something I loved doing. Actually, quite good at it, and people would ask for me by name. Right. You know, they would photo. In fact, one photo, Aston Martin, no name drop it, Aston Martin. Um, I worked for them for one day, one day in March. They only wanted to drive for a day. I went there and worked there in the March. In the September, they were phoning me up, not the agency. They phoned me up on my mobile phone to ask me if I'd come back in and work for them. That's wow. the impression that I'd left them with. But people very often phone the agency up and ask for me specifically. Yeah. Because I knew I'd go there and I'd do a good job. And that really, it took me until the age of about 32, 33 to find my feet. That's when I went into doing that. And it's like, right, this is where I fit. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand? You know, I'd go to these places. It's sort of in between having to drive cars around. You're sort of hanging around. You have a cup of tea and you chat to people. And, you know, i just come out with stuff. And people would be rolling on the floor in stitches. And right. I'm like, oh, you should be a stand-up comedian. And I'll leave off. Do you know what I mean? 
And uh, then, <laughs> this is going to sound completely mental, I had a dream that I was supporting Joe Brand. <laughs> I was on right. the same bill as I was supporting Joe Brand. And I told my mate about it. She said, yeah, she said, yeah, you'll be good at that. And I'm like, oh, leave off. Anyway, sometime after, I went to Lee Hurst Club, Backyard. You know, right. I went to a few things there and really enjoyed it. And it was at Harry Hill. I went to see Harry Hill there. It was right about the time the smoking ban came in, I think. I've seen this, uh, for a workshop, comedy workshop, this big comedian was coming over from America do this comedy workshop would you fancy a go at stand-up comedy I thought well why not I've had a go at other things like driving racing cars and stuff so I'll, I'll go and do that I'll go and give it a go and there were people there that were like go and do their show in Edinburgh and things like that and I got up and I chatted shit for like a minute and uh, said oh you know you've done this for long and I'm like it's the first time I've done it and uh, anyway there was this one guy we would I had to deal with hecklers we'd do this thing I had to deal with hecklers there was this one bloke and I was just I was just enjoying talking to him because he was coming out with stuff and it was completely mental and it's like oh yeah talk ball do you know what I mean about a year later a friend of mine he just split up with his girlfriend a friend of mine from Manchester right. to cheer you up Come to London for the weekend. We'll go out. We'll have fun. We're both fans of Bill Bailey, and Bill Bailey was doing a show, but we worked out we couldn't afford that. It was too expensive, so we had to look on the internet or whatever. And oh, there's this other comedy show, and it's a lot cheaper, and it's in this place. It's a college or somewhere in Holborn. So we went there, and I, hang on a minute, I recognised one of these comedians that was in the show, and it was the guy that I'd been having the banter with in the workshop the year before. And I thought, oh, I better go and say hello to him afterwards. And he said, oh, what have you done? You've done a lot since... I'm like, oh, actually, I haven't done anything. And I'm thinking, the next time I bump into this geezer, I don't want to be able to turning around and saying, I've done nothing because no. I'm going to look like a complete idiot. So I started looking into doing, um, doing a proper course because I thought, right, I can come up with the material. That ain't a problem, but I need to know how to structure a set. That's what I need to learn. So I did a course at the comedy school in, uh, in Camden. And... Um, yeah, never look back. So that was that's got to be oh, six years ago now. Right, and then you, I guess you started doing yeah. like, I mean, what was it like doing your first like gig in front of a, an, an audience after you'd done your training and all of that? First stuff? gig was brilliant because that was all that that was the showcase, and all your friends and family right. were there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, people sure. you'd invited, so they were got you you got receptive audience and. Like the audience does make a difference. If yeah. the audience are kind to you, you give more. You really do. You yeah. know, if they're sitting there chatting and ignoring you, it's like the energy level just drops and there's nothing you can do to bring that back. If they're not interested and you do find that it's um certain gigs if you go to an open mic and it's a general open mic. Um I like general open mics because they, if you go to like the the the, the comedy open mics, very often you're just playing to other comedians. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. very much like a closed it's, shop. It's, but a, it's, it's how a similar thing in music. How am I progressing? Right, you end up like playing yeah. open mics just, and it's just all of the people who've come to play songs yeah. who you're playing to, yeah. and it's like, is that an is that an audience or is that a, a criticism group? Like, yeah, there's or value. Are they going to be kind to right. you because they know where you're coming right. from? So they're going to cut you that little exactly you can't trust them either way yeah they, exactly. they might be being overly critical because of like jealousy reasons yeah. or they might be being undercritical because of like friendly reasons but you, exactly. you, know, you, need an you don't know where you are with it right. yeah you need an audience that don't have a connection to mm. don't have a reason to go either way you can find yeah. out how they actually feel yeah but at least with the general open mic all right you might be playing to other artists but you're playing to other 
musicians who may not have heard of you, poets who ain't heard of you. Right. You're not playing the same little set of people. Right. Um, so I do like those. And if you go to some music open mics, they're very definite music open mic, that's it, end of. Some are, oh, yeah, all right, a comedian. That breaks up the, the angsty singer-songwriters right, a bit. Let's does, yeah. stick you on. That can go one or two ways. People who really love it, you know, they've had enough of Tarquin playing his guitar for, 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 for whatever. Or they start, they're looking at you like, what the... You know, insert word here. Do you know what I mean? One, one of the worst ones I've done was a place called the Rhythm Factory. Now, all the comedians... I think it was a general open mic, but all the comedians had gone to Edinburgh. And so it was all music, and it was all very young people. And students... I think, and I get up and start talking about van driving, and they. Now, I would have thought that everyone knows what a van is. You see enough of them on the road. Yeah. Everyone knows, but some people just really don't get it. Right. And of course, they're they're, they're listening to Tarquin playing his guitar, and that's because you know all angsty and 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 young, and everything matters deeply when you're young, doesn't it? And as you get older, you think, well, actually, that don't matter so much as I thought it did. <laughs> but it was, you know, that it was painful at the time, but really, does it matter now? No, it don't. Right. And so their, their sort of focus is different. Now, you've got to be able to reach out to all different people, whether it's, you know, young, old, you know, across the class system, whatever, you know, you've got to try and reach as many people as you can. Right. If you've got that set a setup of audience that really ain't receptive to one a comedian anyway, they're there for that and that reason. You know, people. I think people psych right. themselves up yeah. for what they're going to see and do that evening. Is yeah. right. We're going to music. We're going to go and listen to Tarquin and his mates playing the guitars. Yeah, great. Oh, there's some middle-aged woman getting up and talking about a what now? Uh, all right, we'll listen. We'll be polite. But they did listen. They shut up and they listened. And they, but they just kind of looked blank. Right. So, oh, no, I ain't doing music one again. But there's some music gigs. Hello, come back. Yeah, we loved you. And blah, 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 blah. It's all learning. Sometimes you learn more from the gigs that go really badly than you do from the ones that go really well. Right. You get from the ones that go really well is you get home and you're so hyped up you can't sleep. And you come into work the next day. (laughs) You want me to drive that what now? Well, I'll sleep. What's that? I'll just do it behind the wheel later. Yeah, and it can be, I mean, when I've done, like, creative stuff outside of, my day job when I when I used to work yeah. full time and I had a band as well mm-hmm. it is tough to like get that balance right you do get exhausted because you're like and sometimes that can be really enjoyable like you feel like yeah it doesn't matter that I'm tired but right but then the next day till the next day right, the next day I really you. wish I hadn't got that excited right like, somebody right. needs to go and have a lie down yeah because you can't always sleep after a gig it doesn't matter no, if it ends it. right it doesn't yeah. matter when it ends you might not be able to sleep till no. like two in the morning and that's not handy if you've got to get up at six. Oh, or right. five right or five yeah right quarter to five no right right exactly yeah I mean yeah, yeah I mean, they've done that right exactly uh, so I mean and so you say uh, you said like you comedy and you writing, and I, I seem to remember actually the first spark you came to. You had something written oh, down. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. That was how I rolled. I was used to. It took me a while to get away from the. He's coming. Why are you coming with the paper? Put the paper away. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know the 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 sort of things I'd done before, sort of based on stories. I do. I've got to say, I find like Spark really useful. It's kind of bridges that gap between yeah. the performance and the writing, right? Because even that though too. that 
yeah, I mean, even though these are stories that's like, yeah, this, this happened in my, my life, all I've got to remember is what orders to put it in. It's, yeah, and sometimes I think, oh, right, and people laugh at certain things, and oh, actually, I could put that in the set. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For that the, that sense. So it, it's kind of halfway out. But I've, I've done um, story, story slams. It's story slams where yeah, you yeah. write a piece, get up in five minutes. and So I've been used to that scenario as well which uh, which is quite useful people giving you feedback on your writing some of it's good some of it's not so good right. um some people like it some people don't and that's life isn't it anything creative you know you're not going to please everybody absolutely all the time. right yeah i mean and so and you're like right the stuff that you write is like uh about about real life rather than fiction or... i write fiction oh, yeah right, okay. i mean i have written miss lexia magazine like it but i've written um uh, memoirs <laughs> sounds so pretentious even as I speak about it but um, I've, I've, that and that obviously based on real life they didn't want it but uh, other people have read it and thought that uh, uh, I, I was speaking about a time in my life that um, you know when I got laid off of work and stuff like that and my journey on like, back to health and stuff like that and getting to work for the catering firm and right. stuff so it's that, that, that three year period of my life um, right when you were off sick oh, and when I was off sick w- sort of yeah. what you were talking about when yeah. you were unemployed as well I mean yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's appropriate for me to like ask what, why you were off sick or right okay uh, yeah I might I might come it might be useful for a, for a, for a story later on but uh, yeah I had the industrial accident um, I had a, a, a bumper in a box fall on my head at work I was working as parts firm driver for a major car firm who I won't name for right. obvious reasons and this box containing the bumper fell on my head and um, mild concussion, I suppose. And I went to the hospital to get checked out on the advice of my shop steward. And fine, let go, go home. Don't even think about going back into work for the rest of the day. You're going to feel shit all weekend. But, you know, we start feeling worse or being sick, come straight back into hospital. Relaxed for the next couple of days, felt a bit weird. On Sunday, I was... It happened on the Friday. By the Sunday, I was... I wasn't actually sick. I didn't throw up, but I was feeling nauseous. And um, I couldn't stand up, sit down, lie down, anything. I just couldn't get rid of the feeling. So I phoned up NHS direct and they said, just go straight back to the hospital. So I did. And I thought, right, I'm going to be in there a bit. No, they kept me in. They did a CT scan and they found something. They thought it was bleeding and swelling on the brain. Cut a long story short, two CT scans, three MRI scans later, they discovered I've got a benign brain tumour. Right, okay. So I can never be a train driver. I was trying to be a train driver before that, but no train operating company will take me. I drive an HGV, took the DVLA long enough to sort the uh, paperwork out for that, but uh, uh, yes, I could drive an HGV. If I was a, funny enough, if I was an HGV driver at the time they discovered my brain tumour, I'd have had my licence suspended for six months. As it was, uh, now as a car driver, you're fine, eventually. Fine. I mean, when, when I got told I'd been on brain tumour, I had the specialist... <laughs> giving me a friendly bit of advice to look for another skill. It's like, look, I'm in my mid-40s, I've been a driver and a factory worker. What am I going to do now? I got in contact with the DBLA and the DBLA said, no, you're fine. Unless anybody tells you any different or you have a fit or something, right, it's you're benign, fine. Right? Yeah, so... it's benign. It's not going to... I mean, I've, I've got to go to Bart's every year to have an MRI scan and a chat with the specialist. Right. He told me, he said, it's unlikely to grow now. And he said, so, as the older you get, the less likely it is to grow. Once you hit menopause, practically guaranteed not to grow. 
So, you know, basically, I'm probably free and clear. But for the rest of my life, I've still got to go for the scans. Right. I've never had a symptom of it. I would never have known. Mm. Had that box not fallen on my head. head, Yeah, and and apparently it's quite common. You know, people go around with these things in their heads and have long, happy lives with no ill effects whatsoever. But of course, now I found that. You've got to keep an eye on it. Got to keep an eye on it. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, yeah, that was an interesting period of my life, I've got to be saying. I mean, and I guess the, the, the thing for people who tell stories or the thing that for people who make comedy is that these interesting mm. periods of our lives, we we use them for material, right? Absolutely. So, <laughs> how much material I've got out of that. Right, I bet. That's, uh, and then there's the horrible hospital stories people tell you to, you know, bit for a bit of solidarity. But, no, but I write fiction as well. I've written a story for every every station on the Underground Network. They're not about the stations, but that that's just like the jumping off point. No, that's a nice idea. For the story, yeah. you know. So uh, nice. uh, apparently they're going to open Nine Elm Station now. So oh, bugger, I've got to write another one. Another one. I've, got, I've got them all like written down. Trying to find a publisher for short stories is uh, is a bit different. Though. Yeah, no, so I know I've been given various bits of advice. I'll like, publish them yourself, or you can go on to Amazon. You can do this. Here. As I say, not very computer savvy. So it's like, what? T- 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 I'll do this, it's quick and easy for me, it will take years. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, uh, you know, I'm sort of looking into things and, and writing other stuff at the same time. Because I'm currently writing about four different full length novels. Wow. Way more than I can show. But it's, it's, oh, I've had an idea for this. Well, I could develop this. Right. And then, like, oh, I've had this other idea. And it don't, like my fella, and it, he's, he's great with, with ideas. He says, yeah, I have too many ideas. You can write these down. I'm not a writer. And I was like, yeah, and I'm having too many. I love your ideas. I think they're brilliant. But I've, these things on the go as well just he said do one thing can finish it and then do it but it don't work like that because the creative part of your brain of it i've got an idea for one for this one but i'm working on this one no but i've got an idea for this one (laughs) and it goes no no i've got an idea for no excuse me leave me brain leave me alone i'm trying to (laughs) and it's like oh i can't write as quick as what i'm thinking this out so, yeah, and I suppose, you know, whatever, midlife crisis, call it what you want. But I kind of got a sense, and I was saying to you earlier about my fellow had a heart attack, he's 50. And, you know, I've got a sense now, right, I've really got to pull my finger out. You know, I'm not far off that age myself. And if I want to achieve something, I'd better get on and do it, right. you know. So, really, if I, you know, I'm not good with New Year's resolutions, but broken everyone I've ever made, and I haven't made that many. But if anything, it's like, I've, I've just, want to you know do stuff for me pull my finger out get pull all the stops out and just go for it I just, like one of the guys that that does uh, open mic Carl Chamberlain who runs you know, runs a lot of open mics south of the river he said uh, and my mate Ryan who does open mics with me a lot of the time he says uh, he, he, he keeps reminding me of this he said oh he's saying and she's gonna you know by the end of this time next year she'll have won an award for something you know what I mean yeah. and he's oh I just got shivered down my spine when he said that and it's like, yeah, Ryan, well, feet on the ground, you know what I mean? But, it's like, but it would be nice, you yeah. know, it's something to work towards, right. isn't it? You right. know, so it's like so trying to just trying to get that, trying to get that balance. You know, I've got to go to work. I've got to, you know, uh, do certain things, domestic things around the house. I've got to do my HGV. I've got the, I've got so many things that I have to do and it's all got to go on a list and someone got to lose out somewhere and yeah yeah it's uh it's a bit daunting but I've got you know every day I get up right side of the turf I've got to be doing something right 
and that's something I that's part I'm, that's part of what you were talking about earlier on of like that's yeah. a big part of your identity is is mm. doing the, you know is working whatever yeah. that is like doing stuff all of the stuff yeah, yeah i yeah. suppose it's you know as i say with with richard and what happened to him and you know sort of make me think about mortality a little bit and what have you and it, you know i think well yeah it's sort of like I never wanted kids or nothing like that, but I I do kind of want to leave something, right. you know, it, sort of big graffiti on the wall like I was here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I don't want to just sort of. I so I've got something to say and I'm going to say it and then yeah. as loud as possible to as many people as possible. Well, yeah, and well, that's one of the things I I I, I really like about about you and. Uh, it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you today. Yeah. Like hearing, hearing your like. I guess maybe this this conversation can be a little part of that graffiti that you leave. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah. The the last uh, question that I ask my guests is, do you have anything to plug? Which do is, I have anything yeah, to yeah, plug? Yeah. Oh wow, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I'm, I mean, I've got. Uh, I'm on uh, on YouTube. It's not the best video. That, uh, that has, has ever been done to me. Some of them fell off. I'm not quite sure how. Uh, our Shepherd 9064 channel, and I'm on there. So right. people want to have a look at that. Do cool. Me, do me stand up. Um, but uh, yeah, until then, I think watch this space, really. Yeah, I mean, are you, is there some way that, that people can contact you or whatever if they want to uh, book you or if they want yeah, to be up to date with what Twitter you're doing? Twitter and Facebook and things. Wicked. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's at. Is it at Lizanne David? Yeah, at Lizanne underscore David. L-I-Z-A-N-N-E underscore Davis, D-A-V-I-E-S. Yeah, there we go. That's me. That's where you can find it. And uh, yeah, and the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. (laughs) Goodbye, audience. Love ya. (laughs) Bye. The next spark. Hackney Open Mic is coming up this Monday, that's the 8th of June. The theme is head slash heart, and that's all you need to bring really is your head and your heart. You can prepare a story in advance if you want, or you can just decide on the night and tell it then. Liz Ann will probably tell a story, she's generally there. I will tell a story, I'm the host. And the other thing that I host is also coming to the Hackney Attic very, very soon. In fact, sooner than Spark. This Saturday, the 6th of June, it's Stand Up Tragedy, Tragic Summer, where we'll have three acts themed around summer. So we're starting with Act 1, Tragic Holidays. Then we've got Act 2, Tragic Climate, which is guest curated and hosted by Alice Bell. And then we end up with Act 3 Tragic Leisure. There's a really amazing lineup, so check out Stand Up Tragedy, find the Facebook event, and take a look at the amazing lineup. It's a really good night, and it would be really great if you could come along and see it live. It's £5 in advance, £7 on the door. The night starts at 7.30. Spark London is on Monday, and the doors for that also open at 7.30. So come along to one or both of those shows and tell your friends about them. Spread the word. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like it on Facebook. Subscribe to it pretty much anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs>